The Football Frenzy. Hey, hit me so hard down there. The Football Frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. Silver Sevens, 3 o'clock hour. We go until 5, 2 to 5 show on Thursdays. John Von Tobel is here. It's Cofield. As we're hanging out at the Bud Light Lounge. Really cool stuff coming up for the holidays. Uh, Silver Sevens has a holiday shopping raffle that's coming up on November 26th, starting at 8 o'clock. Make sure when you come down here, visit Player Services for details. But items include Nintendo Switch, Ooh. KitchenAid Mixer, Roomba, Louis Vuitton handbag, lots more. That is their holiday shopping raffle. They have a holiday toy drive, holiday toy drive, November 20th to the 12th. Bring in any new or unwrapped toy to player services. Get 10 bucks in free slot play, and the proceeds benefit the Las Vegas Salvation Army. Love being down here on Thursdays throughout the year at Silver Sevens. Let's do a little crunching here. Boy, so much football news to get into. We just mentioned... A couple of minutes ago that uh, today was uh, bad news for uh, wide receivers on the injury front. Michael Thomas, it appears the Saints wide receiver, is out for the season. Still don't have an exact explanation. According to the organization, Dennis Allen, toe injury? Toe injury. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Which toe? That's the question. Uh, We'll probably never find out with Michael Thomas. Give me another crunch. So the Big 12 is looking to add a bunch of programs. They just added four. We thought football was the most important thing. And now there's a story out about the Big 12 talking to Gonzaga. I think this is all a PR move. I think it's a way to stick it to the Pac-12 a little bit. What do you think of a Power 5 conference potentially bringing on Gonzaga? And by the way, I can't remember who I, I read yesterday. A college reporter said that the Big 12, the Big East – and the Pac-12 had talked to Gonzaga. And then there was another surprising conference that had spoken to Gonzaga. I have no idea what that means. But what do you think of football conferences, put aside the Big East, looking to potentially add Gonzaga? I didn't really understand. In this arms race, I didn't really understand it, to be honest with you. I like it from a basketball perspective and as a college basketball fan. But when you're, when you're just looking to load up and essentially just keep your conference uh, relevant, how does that help you if you're the Big 12? Right, because we see all the time. I mean, look, Hawaii is a good example. Hawaii plays in the Mountain West in football. They play in the Big West in basketball. Like, there's teams that play in separate conferences for different sports. I just don't understand how this would help the Big 12 in the arms race of all of right. it. Right. Why would you give a full Big 12 share to a basketball-only school? And they have other sports, and the other sports would join the Big 12. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to talk about travel because, well, it's now gotten insane with USC and UCLA <laughs> having to go cross-country and probably stop off in the middle of the country a bunch of times to play a bunch of games, but uh, yeah, I didn't think Spokane, Washington would be of much interest. I also, and I said this yesterday, I also don't believe Gonzaga is a forever basketball program. Mark Few has done a really good job, and they've got a good setup here, but five years from now, if Mark Few's not coaching, I don't know what they are. I, I'll throw it out there again. Um, five years from now, I don't know what Villanova basketball will be. Was, was it Jay Wright, or was it Villanova, and people who fire back like, Raleigh, national championship. They were a middle-of-the-road Big East team. They happen to have an unbelievable year. They've never been what they were 
with Jay Wright. He took him to another level, just like Gonzaga. Gonzaga was always good and rising, but when few came in there, they got all what they needed to get, you know, get together the resources to, you know, buy themselves to the table. And Few's done a great job. But will mean, they be that in ten years? I, I, mean, I completely agree with you. And we'll, how about another example? It's not like they're a dumpster fire. Look at Louisville, right? Like since Patino's been gone, it's been kind of a mess when it comes to off-court stuff and the issues with the staff and everything that they've had to go through. We just got a, a little bit of a finalization of that whole process the other day. But Louisville's also fallen off since the coaching staff or since Patino's been gone. So, no, I would completely agree with you. That's why, like, I would, I would think that there's not, like, real legs to this just because of everything that we're talking about here. It's a basketball-only school, like you said. Giving out revenue to that program wouldn't really make much sense. I don't buy into the process or like the thought process of now that they're going to be the big 12 too they're going to start to fall back down to earth and they're not going to be as good yeah, what did, didn't huggins talk some trash yeah huggins said uh he he would love to see them play what they play every single day bob huggins by the way i believe owned five against gonzaga in his career i mean the big 12 is a deeper basketball conference on the west coast conference but i don't think gonzaga would fall apart uh, my fear would be that gonzaga's recruiting would even go higher right i mean, I mean more bob, bob huggins program right now is kind of on shaky ground. He's just about done. Right. And, but here's the thing. So let's just play that out for a second. Let's say the worst-case scenario happens. You bring Gonzaga in, and it starts to lose more games. It's no longer the power that it is, and you're giving it a share of revenue. Like, it just There are so many things that don't really make sense, given what is the impetus behind this, which is conferences adding football programs because they have actual value to them and getting these TV deals as opposed to what Gonzaga would bring to the table for the Big 12. UNLV football, Doug Brumfield is back. They have a trip to San Diego to take on San Diego State, one of the powers of the conference, San Diego State, on a bit of an upswing. It seems like they finally found a quarterback who's solid. I don't know if he's spectacular, but solid. Okay, what do you expect from the Rebels with Brumfield on the field? You know, I, I honestly don't know. I, I'm intrigued, though. I'm really intrigued because Doug has been having a very, very good year. If you look at all of his numbers, they, they run into a buzzsaw in San Jose, we got to watch the game in person and see what happened. And he gets hurt very early. He only has seven dropbacks in that game. And even in those seven dropbacks, he was not very good. Um, but finally coming back, getting this time. And it's not only just him, right? We get Aiden Robbins back out there on the field, too. It'll, I'm just really interested to see because this team, at the very least, going into that San Jose State game, how many wins it was going to be, whatever. But it looked like they were obviously very much on their way toward a bowl game. And now you still have a chance to do that. And your starting quarterback coming back. Your wide receiver core is still a little bit beat up, but we saw in that New Mexico game, didn't really matter, right? I mean, there were a lot of guys going down in that game, and Brumfield still made it work. And in that contest, he had a PFF passing grade of 90. He was still really good in that game. So the schedule's in front of him. You get a San Diego State team that is still, I, I would say, and I mean, the number would tell you that too, rated as the better team, but it's a really intriguing game for UNLV. And I would expect, given the length of recovery that he has had on top of a bye week in between, that you would probably get close to the Doug Brumfield that we saw in the first, what, five games of the season so far. What did you think of the number and the action? So I think, so the number, for, for those who don't know, the number on Sunday opened up nine, went immediately to six and a half. I actually had some people DMing me asking me what the what was the line move and if Doug was going to play. And my response was, I think that initial response like to the movement was twofold. It was probably a play against San Diego State, but I think more of it was the immediate assumption that Brumfield was going to play because he's, he'd been off for a long time, and it made the most sense that after a bye week, he'd been look, it looked like maybe he was inching closer, that it was more than likely that he was going to be available. I think most of that was just speculation that Brumfield was going to play. 
Coming up, let's talk to uh, Kirk Morrison, former Raider, former San Diego State Aztec. We can get into the uh, SDSU-UNLV football game and try to figure out what's going on with the Raiders right now. Is there a crossroads or 2-5 and five, trade deadline? Didn't do a whole lot, didn't add, didn't dump, and off a shutout. Uh, there's a lot of things to figure out as they're staying in Florida getting ready for the Jaguars. Awesome giveaways and promotions all week long at the William Hill Race and Sportsbook inside Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. I think the one thing, again, I'll mention because I think it's really important is seen a lot of players improve here um, under him and his coach's watch. And again, the results are the results. We're two and five. So none of us have done uh, a good enough job, myself included. And so, you know, we're going to continue to we put we're going to continue to put pressure on ourselves to get those results. And again, we'll see where, where it's all at when we get to the end of the season. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s, it's Cofield and Company. Talk Raiders football, Dave Ziegler on the way back to GM. Also want to talk a little San Diego State UNLV, some college football. Ratings for the, or the rankings for college football playoff. Kirk Morrison is in. He works for everyone. He's working all the time. Former Raider, former Bill. Also an Aztec. Kirk, how you doing? It's Steve in Vegas along with John Von Tobel. What's up, Steve? How you doing, my man? I'm good, man. I'm good. It's been a fun football season. It hasn't been so fun for Raiders fans. It's been a, a weird season. Um, how do you explain what happened last week? Uh, you know, With all this offensive talent to get shut out by kind of a, a lousy defensive team like the Saints, everything fell apart? Yeah, I think it's just the National Football League, though, right? I think we go in with expectations of what the game is supposed to look like, but that's why they go play the game on the field. Obviously, the New Orleans Saints. Uh, rally behind Andy Dalton, rally behind Taysom Hill, they're all everything player. And they just seem to feel like, hey, we're at home, early start, this is our environment. And the Raiders traveling from, obviously, Vegas, West Coast, playing a, a noon central game, a uh, noon local time game on a Sunday, they just kind of were sleepwalking. And before you know it, you're in, you're in a game, and they just never really, to me, rolled to the expectation, rolled to the intensity that the New Orleans Saints. New Orleans Saints wanted a lot more than the Raiders did. And obviously, they won't say it, but, I mean, I said it before. I thought this was a Dennis Allen revenge game, right? And he came out, and his team really felt that, right? The New Orleans Saints played that revenge-like mentality where a lot of the Raiders didn't really feel it. And at the same time, you see it, you see how it, how it happened, how it turned out. It's been kind of incredible around the league to go, you know, glass overflowing here. The job that coaches and the, I guess the quarterbacks themselves deserve a lot of credit, but you know Andy Dalton, Geno Smith, Jacoby Brissett, you've got a bunch of got PJ even PJ Walker. Uh, you got a bunch of guys right. who have like revitalized their career. You know, in the case of Dalton, at the end of their career, playing really good football at the quarterback position. Yeah, I think you just have guys who are in a good situation. They're comfortable with who they are, and then you have a team that has an identity too. You mentioned Jacoby Brissett. We know what the identity of the Cleveland Browns are. They want to run the football. And Jacoby Brissett says, I can hand the ball off. I can manage the game. And I think that's what's easy. Same thing with Eddie Dalton. But I'm looking at the other quarterbacks, too, that you mentioned. There's some young quarterbacks that are really coming up. I love what Tua's doing. I love what Jalen Hurts is doing. Obviously, Joe Burrow had his ups and downs more so because of his offensive line. But I really love that the quarterback play has really kind of changed the tide a little bit, right? Going into the season, we thought about, you know, obviously Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, but yet it's been Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. I mentioned Jalen Hurts, Tua Tagovailoa. It's been the young quarterbacks that have been getting it done. So that's been the changing of the guard this year is what I've seen 
so far. Yeah, and Kirk, that's the weird part about it, right? The, the old heads are kind of struggling, and one of the right. guys that has been pretty established is Derek Carr. You know, Steve and I were talking about this earlier in the show, where by a lot of statistical standards, this is Derek Carr's worst season of his career outside of his rookie year. What do you think has happened to Derek Carr over these, you know, first, what, seven weeks or so now that we're into the NFL season that has made him play so poorly? I think for the most part what I've seen is just maybe he uh, it takes a little bit longer to get this offensive philosophy and game plan down with Josh McDaniels. Uh, we've seen some good, we've seen some bad, and we've seen some ugly. And I'm trying to put it all together and just kind of figure out what will make Derek Carr, who won so many of those uh, close games a year ago, uh, and seem to be totally different this season, right? But I think also, to the investment that the Raiders made this offseason, they're not getting that return. Uh, Max Crosby, yes, but think about Chandler Jones, Devontae Adams, um, Hunter Renfro, uh, Darren Waller most recently, and even Derek Carr. The guys who you pay big money extensions to, are you getting that type of production? And I think those guys would tell if you ask them, they say, hey, we're not playing the way that we know we're capable of us. And so I don't know if that's player, is that coach, or is just the Raiders this year came into a mentality of, hey, we won last year, we made it to the playoffs, we can kind of roll it over. That's not the way the NFL works. you got to find a new identity. And I don't think the Raiders have found our identity seven games into the season. Right, and so following up on that, because I've heard that now too, it's like, hey, new system, all that stuff. We're pretty deep into the season. Should that be happening at this point right now? I think obviously with new players coming in, and I mentioned it, you – Hunter Renfro this time. Darren Waller has been banged up with a hamstring. Think about what the offense was supposed to look like, and you tell me how whole has this offense been the entire season. So, yeah, I, if I was a quarterback and I haven't, I don't have the guys who I literally came into the season hoping to have my starting lineup, it just doesn't look right. It's the same thing. I mean, look, it's not just the Raiders. Like I said, the Denver Broncos are the same thing, and yet, you know, uh, Russell Wilson was able to figure it out last week over in London. Same thing with the Chargers. They, and Justin Herbert, he doesn't have the guys who he assumed that he was going to have. So it's actually an AFC West thing right now, right? The AFC West. And so I think it's all the quarterbacks, which we thought were going to be a lot better this year. They have not been. The only person who's kind of stand the same has been Patrick Mahomes, who seemed to be a guy who is schemeless, I would say, because he's added new players, and yet the offense has still stayed the same uh, in Kansas City. Kirk Morrison, the uh, former NFL linebacker with the Raiders, the Bills, the Jags. Uh, you're on the Rams broadcast. Where are the Rams right now with Matt Stafford? You know, not like he's going to get benched, but, you know, his play, I know PFF has him like number 26 and, you know, missing his left tackle. He's done in, in Whitworth. Uh, things just haven't gone swimmingly outside of the connections with him and Cooper Cup. Yeah, they're three and four. They're a team that expectations were. Obviously, when you win a Super Bowl, everybody expects you to go be right back, and it's just not. It doesn't work that way in the NFL, man. I just that's why we love watching. That's why we love talking about it. We love the parody that every year could be your year, right? No one had the Philadelphia Eagles where they are. No one had, you know, a, a team like the Minnesota Vikings where they are. And so, when it comes to the Rams, I feel like they're having to find their identity, find themselves. They're seven games into the season, and to you guys' point, like. They don't have an identity. They're the worst rushing team in the National Football League, right? The worst rushing team in the National Football League. But yet, the run was supposed to mirror the pass, and the pass mirrors the run. That's what the Sean McVay offense has really been about. And right now, it is just not that for these Rams. So you mentioned Cooper Cup. It's been Cooper Cup or bust up until this point. But Cooper Cup was limited in practice. He had an ankle injury uh, last week against the 49ers. So now we may even see an offense without Cooper Cup. And what does that look like? 
this is why, hey, Matthew Stafford, you get paid the big bucks. You got to sometimes, uh, you know, turn uh, water into wine. Is that what they do? Yeah, turn water into wine. Yeah. He's probably going to have to do that this week uh, and down the stretch. But I would say this, just to kind of look at the Rams overall, they're three and four in an NFC that to me is still pretty much wide open. And it'd be one thing if it was just the Rams, but you look at some of his other counterparts, the older quarterbacks, like I mentioned a little bit earlier, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, these two teams, Packers and Buccaneers, are also under 500. So it's not just a Rams thing. It's an, it's an NFL-wide thing. But the teams that who we expected to be there in the NFC just aren't there. What's the story behind the story with Cam Akers? Uh, to me, it's just a situation. A guy probably didn't like his role, maybe wanted more, and if he wasn't going to get more, he wanted to be traded. My only thing was with Cam Akers is, what are you being traded based off of what? Right. Right? So, you know, you pretty much your rookie year had a decent year. You tore your Achilles tendon, missed almost the whole entire season, but you came back for the playoffs. And then in your third year, you go through an offseason, but then you start the year and you're averaging under three yards a carry. You tell me what the NFL team wants to trade for that. Yeah. So everybody's going to say, I'm not trading high for that. I'm going to give you a low pick. The Rams turn down those low picks. And so, look, Sean McVay looks that makers in the eye and says, look, man, if you want to lead this team, we can try to figure something out in the offseason. But if you love football, why don't you go prove to everybody how good you are? Because right now, you're not Alvin Kamara, right? You're not Nicholas Chubb. You're not, you know, Derrick Henry. You're not the back who you probably think that you are. You're not that guy. So I think this is a situation that you put on Cam Makers to go out there and show what kind of running back that you can be. And if it doesn't work out this year, then you figure out a trade partner in the offseason. But right now, he will be a Ram for the rest of the season, I believe. Kirk Morrison with us. Um, of course, linebacker for uh, the Raiders, but also a former Aztec. I saw you a couple nights ago. You're all right. You were really tweeting it through uh, when it came to that game <laughs> against Fresno State. Hey, you don't lose games like that, right? <laughs> you don't lose games like that. You're up late in the fourth quarter. You're up by double digits. And... You allow Fresno State back in. You made some mistakes. And, you know, give it to, to Jake Hayner, man. He's an outstanding quarterback. The dude limps off. He's, he's battered, bruised. And that's one guy who I truly respect uh, in the game of college football. But my aspects just up and down this season, figure some things out at quarterback. And you're on the road, and you take your foot off the gas. And then you're trying to hold on for dear life. And they just didn't have enough. So, to me, it's one of those situations where you kind of get upset while you're watching, but you can feel the avalanche coming, right? The snowball is starting to build. You're like, oh, can we survive? And they couldn't survive in that matchup. And so, yeah, I was I was going through some things on Saturday night, fellas. I'm, I'm over it now, but you know what? That's what football is all about. You can figure out what happened last week, but you got a new game, a new opportunity, and you got the UNLV Rebels coming into your place, so you get excited about that matchup. It should be a good game. Uh, UNLV finally has their starting quarterback back and Doug Brumfield off a concussion. And you said the Aztecs had figured out quarterback. It really has been amazing the last three, four years, that quarterback, how much trouble they've had finding the guy. They thought it was Burmeister, and then in a desperate spot, you know, Jalen Maiden was a former quarterback, and they were going to, you know, they had him on defense. What do you think of Maiden? I mean, this could be an amazing story if they storm back to do some big things. And, you know, it's a guy who was playing safety at the start of the year. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you just have guys and different philosophies. I mean, the former offensive coordinator was relieved of his duties. and You bring in uh, one of the former quarterbacks, Teddy, let's say Ryan Lindley, to lend a hand with the offense mid-season. How about that? 
Um, but I think the philosophy had to change. And you're seeing a lot more happening with the offense. But I think the big thing is that this is a team that has to continue. You can't hold on to games. They don't have the depth on this football team. Or they don't have the understanding of how to turn it on and off. Right? Last week they got out to a big lead and they seemed to take their foot off the gas. They got to put a foot on the gas, keep it going, especially with the quarterback, Jalen Maiden. And, you know, this is still an offense that, again, that starting to figure themselves out. They have an identity. Now they're getting late in the season. You got to hang your hat on something, which is running the football. They did a good job at that. But I think moving forward, they're going to have to continue to not only run the football, but Maiden has to make some more plays down the field. Have you been to Snapdragon yet? Yeah, I did. I, I went a couple weeks back, uh, the win over Hawaii. So it was great to be there, great to see the stadium. Uh, you know, obviously, it's, uh, you want to see uh, games like this, uh, UNLV, San Diego State, to me, still a rivalry game. And uh, I, I hope we get a good turnout this week because that stadium is beautiful. It deserves a, a big matchup, especially with two schools who are close in proximity. So you may get a lot of people driving down from Vegas. Hopefully you guys are coming down to go check it out. Um, but it would be a good matchup. I'm looking forward to seeing Kenny Aztecs rebound. And uh, I feel bad. I mean, I'm a big Marcus Royal fan. I know he had things going in the right direction. But, you know, yeah, after a Notre Dame loss, you know, we got to make sure uh, the Aztecs <laughs> and the Rebels another one. Right. Well, they've got three more games they can win. Uh, and if they win two out of three of those, uh, you know, after San Diego State, if they do lose, then they can make a bowl game, which is their ultimate goal. So, uh, Kirk, we appreciate Correct. it, man. We appreciate it. Thank you for joining us. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, sounds good, fellas. Anytime. Talk to you soon. There it is, Kirk Morrison, the former Raider. I was trying to uh, smooth over the end there. What, did I do something wrong? No, just he was, he was saying, you know, tough luck. Sorry, UNLV. You're oh, not going okay. to win the game. Uh, I was like, well, don't, yeah, don't, don't feel bad about it, Kirk. UNLV can still win two of the final three. Uh, no, they, they need to win this one. They, they need to get these wins now. I do not want to, and Rebel fans do not want to see them have to go to the final two games with the pressure on them with a long losing streak having to beat Hawaii in Hawaii and then Nevada here. This is a winnable game. This is not a complete offense yet. Maiden is still relatively inexperienced. I don't believe, and right, knock on plastic table, I'm sure uh, I'll pay for this prediction, but I do not believe San Diego State's defense is as good as it's been Mm -hmm. the last couple years. And if Brumfield is 100%, you know, the Rebels, if they can come close, they're down some weapons. So they're, they're not exactly what they were, say, against North Texas. But if they can come close to the kind of productivity they had with Brumfield in there, and, and most of it's the pace of the offense, then they got a shot. No, I think they absolutely do. And I think you said it per, like perfectly. You And I, I'm sure they do. But this should be handled as a winnable game. You're going in to potentially win another conference road game. You did it against Utah State. You looked really solid in doing that. You should be able to now come into this one and be extremely competitive and put yourself in a position yeah. now with Brumfield and Robbins back to win that game. And by the way, too, I mean, with some of these other guys actually getting more comfortable in this offense, right? We saw some pretty good performances against Notre Dame individually yeah. that you should be able to now translate moving forward into maybe some other guys that can step up. I don't know that Robbins will be back. It's a day-to-day thing. Is and, okay. and Marcus well, Arroyo on the, on the radio, Marcus Arroyo radio show yesterday seemed like he was more optimistic about two weeks from now. But he was out of practice, so and the knee sleeve is off. He had an injured right knee, and he was limping pretty bad yeah. when he got injured a couple weeks ago. Okay. So... Did we'll something say, happen? No, I just think uh, he was listed on the depth chart, and I—I I mean, uh, maybe was, I missed. Right. Well, he maybe was. I missed, missed heard Arroyo, but the, on Monday when we were yeah. there, he was on the top of the depth chart, and there was a yeah, they're going to be out there. So, yeah, I think there was a little more hesitance okay. with right. with 
Aiden Robbins. Um, he may give it a go, but I don't know that he's 100%. And I think he has something good in Courtney Reese, something different More that they can throw at San Diego State. And the other thing is, think about it last year, the Rebels hung with San Diego State here. And might arrive, I mean, frankly, the punter, Matt Ariza, won them the, the I almost said the GDM game. Yeah. He won them the game by the, the position, by, the field position battle was ridiculous. Rebels were buried inside their 10 the entire game, and they, they, they hung with him and almost won the game. Yep. A little better quarterback play, no terrible field position, and all of a sudden you're maybe staring at a conference win potentially. By the way, what does it say when Kirk throws it out there, he hopes a good crowd shows up? Yeah, that was kind of odd. Are they, is, you is, is San Diego that fickle with the Aztecs because they got off to a little bit of a slow start? They have a brand-new stadium, and they're not showing up? I mean, I understand the first game was like record heat, disaster. What time's the game at? 4 o'clock. What's the excuse on that answer? one? Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, maybe that's just like a, a, a crutch, like people fall back. Like, hey, yeah, ho- hope there's a good crowd. But I don't know. No, that's, that's, that's a that warning. Should be, that, that should be an expectation. Believe me, uh, I heard the same thing from the San Jose State analyst. Kevin Richardson before the Friday game they played, and I thought there were like 4,000 people there. I, I mean, I, others were like, no, there were like eight. I'm like, okay, either way, you're debating over San Jose State having four or 8,000. Can they fit more than 4,000 in that place? They could probably, because they, they took that one side out. Right. They could probably fit. It's probably bigger than you think, probably eighteen or 20,000. Really? Yeah, it was. It, there was no one there. It didn't matter. Brumfield went down, and then, the, you know, the Rebels kind of folded, and Chevin Cordero was unreal. Yeah. But no... When I was looking around that Friday night, I'm like, man, good for Brent Brennan staying around here because he's a really good coach. Like, we were just talking, you know, let's continue on this. I have a couple of Mountain West Conference points to make, and I also want to get back to the whole quarterback thing in the NFL car versus what some of these guys who really haven't had success in the, in the NFL consistently, Brissett and Geno Smith, why it's working there and why it's not working right now here in Vegas. Join Cofield and company on Mondays for the live 2 to 5 show at Twin Peaks in Henderson. Big beers for under 4 bucks. Select appetizers are 2 4 and $6. Come hang at Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football. Yeah. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s, it's Cofield and company. All right, continuing on the uh, the football conversation, just to finish up on the Mountain West stuff, because UNLV is playing San Diego State, 4 o'clock kick, 3.30 with the pregame, and Kirk nailed it. Uh, I will be down there working the sidelines as uh, Russ and Caleb are on the call of the game. Started to talk about San Jose State for a second and quarterback play. Brent Brennan, the San Jose State coach, I don't know what his plans are moving forward, but as I mentioned, The Friday game, UNLV played there. And listen, let's be fair. The Rebels are not some gigantic draw, but it really doesn't matter at San Jose. No one goes to the football games. And they put some money into the program. And if you're Brennan, if if you're going to move on, you want to go to the right place where you have a chance. Hell, the way it works now, you could probably just freaking go somewhere, hope you succeed in three or four years, and you're still going to get a $10 million buyout. I almost feel like that's like an industry now for coaches. But my point on this is Chevin Cordero has been awesome this year. Mm I don't know if he's a pro prospect, but he is a really good college quarterback, and I never feared that guy when he was at Hawaii because you knew he was going to make a mistake and he was up and down. Brent Brennan is a really good coach. He is. And to your point about the program support, they won a conference title two years ago. I'm, I'm with you. I am amazed at the lack of support for what has been a consistently solid team under Brennan. Now, like, and I wrote about this at the beginning of the year for Vison because I wrote the Mountain West for the college football preview. 
yes, you know, all the other years except for the conference title year, they had been sub-500. But they were competitive and quality teams. But And the difference coming into this year was, for lack of a better term, they put resources into the team, right? They go and they get Shaven Cordero, a kid who had some potential coming into the year. They had a lot of – they have and still have a lot of good defensive players that were going to make them an effective defense in the Mountain West. I, I am amazed that there was not consistent support for that team because Brennan has kind of turned it around. They've been really solid. And I guess maybe there's better things to do in San Jose because oh, I was a, driving around and there wasn't that much. Well, I like San Jose. I, I don't – you know, and they, they've had a decent football history. Going way back, they've, they've got history. So San Jose well, Duck guy with his bread's always there, though. You know, I, I don't remember seeing him at the football game, so he, I guess the crowd was pretty big because I didn't notice him in the 8,000 there. Yeah, uh, he was there. Yeah. Actually, so because I was there. On, put him on camera. I, I, for some reason, I did not see him. Look, so I was there on the trip with you guys, and uh, I actually I did not want to be unprofessional. Yeah. I saw him and wanted to go down and get a picture with him. Get a picture him. with him? But I was like, I can't. I probably well, should. <laughs> if you uh, – you go to the basketball game this year, the UNLV San Jose State basketball game. You can't miss him. I was going to say he sits. <laughs> he sits in the bleachers. He's the only one in the bleachers. Yeah, in that, the high that, school that, gymnasium. Yeah, that that uh, those games draw about three hundred. Yeah, the West Division in the Mountain West. Look at how it turns out, right? Fresno's three and one. San Jose's three and one. UNLV and San Diego State both at two and two. And Nevada right now really struggling at zero and five. But the Brennan and Cordero thing. You know, I mean, you you look at a situation. The the kids gotten better under a coach. Kirk Morrison was just on with us, and Kirk kind of took the approach that hey, there's no reason to freak out over the shutout against the Saints, and that Carr and McDaniels, well, it takes time. Well, I'm looking around the league, and, yeah, Jacoby Brissett is in a good system, but when he's had to do things, he's playing well. Mm-hmm. Geno Smith working in Seattle is insane. And the whole it takes time, well, is Kevin O'Connell – the combo of O'Connell and Kirk Cousins struggling. And beyond that, Mike McDaniel just got to Miami. They implement what they want to do with the freaking speed receivers. They run something similar in the run game. Lots of options with, you know, again, that's that San Fran run game with Mostert. It's working there, like, incredibly well. How much time do we have to, like, I don't understand the approach. Like, well, it takes time. And, yeah, they've, they've been missing some of their weapons. All of them? Josh Jacobs, before last week, was having an all-pro season. Adams is fine. What's the problem? What's the disconnect? I don't know, and I don't buy the whole it takes time thing. Everything you've already pointed out is absolutely true. Guys are coming in, plugging in systems, and they're running with no problem whatsoever. Now, we could talk about the intricacies of the system, right? Like, I'm not the biggest X, I'm not the best X's and O's guy to go to, but when you watch what the Dolphins are doing, it is – Easy is not properly is probably not the right term, but it's a lot of motion, like shorter throws, getting guys out in space, allowing them to work. But it's worked, right? right? I think that's the thing, though. It's worked, and I would say yes. In the grand scheme of a 17-game schedule, going on the road and getting shut out by an opponent is not that big of a deal. But when you had the beginning right. of right. the season that right. you have had, and your quarterback has had the season that he has had. That is a very big deal that then you go on the road against a team, which, by the way, you were favored to beat, and at the worst is a similarly rated team to you. You did not cross midfield until your backup quarterback came in and completed the pass with about two minutes left to go in that game. That's why I think it should be a bigger deal than just, oh, it takes time. It shouldn't take this much time. And let's be quite honest, there have been some really big splashes between Devontae Adams and Derek Carr haven't been very consistent with their connection 
there is something here where you've got to look around to find out what the issue is. I don't want to point every finger at Carr. Carr has some blame. He's not played very well this year. But there's got to be something there of some substance that is an issue that should be worrisome. It really is an incredible league. Week to week, we're up and down as fans and as, as sports talk hosts. Never. On the way opposite end of the spectrum, the Eagles are off to this really good start. They play tonight. They're laying a big number against the Texans. Jalen Hurts has answered some of the questions. I don't think everything is answered yet. He's still young. He's thrown 10 touchdowns and two interceptions. Running the ball well. They gave him weapons, right? A.J. Brown had a great week last week. Oh, yeah. I heard Dan Graziano on ESPN National today talking about the possibilities and what the Eagles could be facing, and he, he rolled it into this whole conversation about Burrow and Herbert and Tua after their third year, because you're not allowed to talk contract the first three years. And that Hurts is a little bit different because he was a second-round pick. He started playing out scenarios if the Eagles win the Super Bowl, if Hurts were the MVP. When they talk contract, we're talking 40 mil a year. I'm like, what is going on? Like, people, people will get on... Sports talk host and especially the talking head embrace debate guys for getting like way too down on players. And believe me, you and I are, are pretty level headed. I'm around enough football. I'm not freaking out about Derek Carr, but we're pointing out he's not playing well. He doesn't suck, like some fans will say. But on the opposite end, Jalen Hurts has done enough now. Like he was like mentioned, uh, you know, Hurts. I mean, Hurts would certainly be in the Kyler Murray range. Okay. Kyler Murray shouldn't be in the Kyler Murray range. That doesn't mean the – like, the Eagles are not going to do that, right? Yeah, they are. No, they're not. Yeah, but you believe they are? But here, well, he, you, you believe that organization it. is crazy enough off a, of, off a, you know, one improved year, and he showed some signs of being a solid quarterback, one big year, and starting to talk with him, you know, in the middle of year four about, like, 40 mil a year? If all those things happen, yes. I mean, you, oh just, said, you just said it. Kyler Murray got the deal that he got off of one season – in which they did they start seven and zero or whatever what like they had good production whatever it was but then he got his deal this is what you do this is the going rate for he got the deal now. he got because the Cardinals are not a great organization they can't be trusted with the money they're desperate so they see Kyler Murray and they're like we're selling tickets you know we've had a tough time finding the guy I he might be the guy so you know what screw it this is the market we're giving it to him I cannot I cannot imagine the Eagles getting that crazy I was I started. When I was listening to the interview, I was thinking to myself, you know what, push it with Jalen Hurts. Hey, bro, here, you know, here's solid money, but we're not giving you, you know, freaking $250 million and $40 million a year, um, and we so strongly believe in what we do. We have all these picks. We're going to draft a quarterback. They wouldn't go out and give, like, four years $128 million to a quarterback that eventually flamed out two years later, right? The Eagles would never do that. The way they did with Carson Wentz. It's the going rate well, for quarterbacks. Isn't that, isn't that kind of the point? But, that, but, that that they've already been through this, but here's that the, hopefully they learn their lesson. Right, and I'm not rooting against Jalen Hurts. I hope he's awesome. I hope he turns into that forty million dollar guy. I just think we get we get so crazy on here's the scale for quarterbacks. Here's a little bit of success. You know, the person's twenty five or twenty six. They're going to be that guy for the next eight years. And you're like, how do you know that? I'm not saying they know that, but what what you're risking is what if he is that? You try to lowball him, you lose him, and he's gone. And then you're looking around at your roster. Do you think you can find again 
a guy that you can plug in at a minimum price that would then lead you back to where you got with Jalen. Again, in this scenario, in this he, draft, wins the, he wins the Super Bowl and goes on and right and wins Super right. Bowl MVP. In this draft, yes. I think I can find a guy I can develop who will be ready in a couple of years who will be as good as Jalen Hurts, yes. Right, but ready in a couple of years. You have a Super Bowl team. Well, then I'm going to have to find a bridge. Right, but you, you're, you're finding a bridge for a Super Bowl roster in this scenario. Right, but I want to keep the rest of the roster together. So Who's your bridge? Paying, we'd have to see at that point. You're going to go get Derek Carr? Let's say Derek Carr is available. Well, I mean, the ultimate bridge team has been the Colts, and it, it just has not worked out. <laughs> right. so. The Colts have been a bridge away for the last four years, and it's gone terribly. But, but answer this. Do you believe he's that guy, Jalen Hurts? I think he's going to be a really good quarterback. I don't know if he's that guy. Okay. He's not that guy, pal. I don't that was know my whole point from the get-go. I, I understand the unknown, but that's I've been banging this drum for like 10 years now. Just because there's an unknown out of position doesn't mean that you have to pay big money to someone when they're not a proven commodity. And, you know, the, he, the guy's a crumb, and he's kind of a lousy character dude. But I, I thought the organization that did that, and organizations keep doing it, the first one, I remember whatever it was, 10 years ago now, was like, Jay Cutler is making how much money? Come on, Bears. But the Bears are another one of those teams. They're like, we never have a quarterback. He's decent. This is the rate. Here you go. Here's the money. Right. I think, well, I think our disconnect, though, is I'm looking at this literally in the scenario that you presented, which changes things a little bit. If we're talking about what Jalen Hurts could eventually be, like let's say they go on, they lose two or three games, and they lose in an NFC Championship game, and he performs all right, like not, nothing out of this world. You know, he's going to garner a pretty solid contract from them. Is he going to get $40 million? Not sure. Don't, I would think not. But at the same time, He's going to get a very good payday, and he's going to be amongst, I would say, the top 10 quarterbacks in terms of payment. Like, that's the going rate. And, yes, it's only one year, but if they have a successful season in this league, you cannot risk losing out on what could be a good quarterback. 364-1100, caller 7 right now. You get hooked up with tickets for The Who. It's on Saturday. They're playing Friday and Saturday. Park MGM, Dolby Live, two nights of shows. Again, Friday, Saturday, we've got Saturday tickets. The Who hits back tour. You can grab your own tickets at Ticketmaster.com. But Ari's got a pair right now. Caller 7, The Who, 364-1100. Join Cofield and company on Fridays for the 3-6 to six show at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. There's nothing like a football Friday at Treasure Island. Reeves got to get it in in three-point country. It's to Ryan on its way. at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s. It's Cofield and Company. All right, there you go. Some excitement, some energy, some contributors that haven't had a chance to contribute yet for the Lakers. Matt who? What, Ryan? It's really good to see him respond in a strong way after getting benched by Frank Wright. Don't don't do it. It was was so – I knew it was coming. (laughs) The veteran QB now making threes for the Lakers. It was a difficult shot. Good for him. And, like, like no time. It was, like, 1.7 seconds left on the clock or something like that. Good for him. You saw the story. I guess he was a DoorDash guy last he, year. Yeah, I saw that. Okay. Like I said, good for him. It's awesome. Like, make a little bit of change. Well, he had a big shot. Now you got a career moment. It does show, again, going back to a hour one topic, when we both believe that running Rebel fans were kind of mean and vindictive towards Chris Wood. When he didn't get drafted back in 2015 after he had uh, you know, led them to, well, he did all he could 
during the uh, 2014-15 season. The team just fell apart health-wise, but did lead him to a big victory with 24 points back in 2014 against Arizona. But the way a lot of fans treated Chris Wood when he didn't get drafted was mean. And also the reaction by a lot of people in a two-round draft when they're like, dumbass, These guys come out, they didn't even get drafted, done, not even, not even going to make the NBA. There are lots of guys, it takes them three or four years to get in, you know, and this kid has been toiling. You don't always get immediate entry into the league. And they're young enough that you have leeway to not immediately make it in there, and you just got to work a little bit. And Wood, he has admitted in past interviews, too. Trust me, I've read a lot of them because I I have followed Wood's career with great interest. He has admitted his own faults in a lot of stuff, like showing up to the NBA Combine. What was it, like 14% body fat on yep, that skinny kid? Yep, yep. All of the things uh, that 6, he 6'11", 210, and like 14% body fat. Yep. Yeah, but, he, he, was, he lacked maturity. Um, that happens. You know, Not all of us were super mature at 19 or 20 years old. But, I mean, he's, he's shown the way here. If you work hard and you are talented, as you mentioned a while ago, he's one of the favorites for six-man of the year. Chris Wood on Dallas now with the great Luka is averaging 17 and 8. Again, coming off the bench, that's how your sixth man of the year. And in the case of the Lakers, Lakers have plenty of room for some players to emerge as legit contributors, right? Well, they've got they've got a bench of a lot of guys. People are like, who, what? This guy hasn't made it in four or five years. I mean, Troy Brown is now he's back on the West Coast, and he had a nice game last night with a double double. And here's the thing with the Lakers, and this is the thing I I, I would say that is probably I'm not a Laker fan. This would drive me nuts as a Laker fan. You know what the Lakers have actually been consistently good at over the last couple of years? Their scouting department has been great. It's been among the best in the NBA. I mean, think about that young core that they had that gone on has gone on to be really good basketball players every stop of the way. Even some of the other guys in recent history. Alex Caruso coming out of nowhere for that team and being a legitimately good pro player defensively and just overall for the Chicago Bulls now. It'd be like being one of their linchpins. And one of the linchpins for them. Now look at what they have here going to. Austin Reeves could be maybe something. Like, they have done this for a long time now. Their developmental, like, branch has been really good. But when you sell your soul yeah. to bring in the win-now mentality, you know, like these little stories, they go by the wayside. Westbrook off the bench. Efficient. I, I like it. Yeah. Look, is he going to go 6-12 every night? No. But is it a much better overall system for everybody? That Russell Westbrook is kind of leading the bench mob and doing his thing on that end. He kind of gets his own little mini team on the floor. LeBron James, Anthony Davis get better spacing for the offense to work. I wrote about this the other day. It is not a coincidence that in the second game that Russell Westbrook comes off the bench where everybody gets a little bit more comfortable with their roles, the Lakers decide to put up their best individual offensive rating of the season. That was against, the I think it was the Denver Nuggets game. You know, These are the things that... Do I think they're all of a sudden going to become like a top six seed in the Western Conference? No. I still think this team's extremely flawed from a roster standpoint. I even still, if you're going to tell me that they're going to get one of the multiple packages that are out there, be it Gordon Hayward and Terry Rozier or the Indiana package. Huh. By the way, I wanted to throw to you on this one. I saw Miles Turner in a conversation <laughs> said the Lakers should look at him, and I was like, wait, are, are you allowed to do this? In the NBA, I'm like, what, what, what kind of conversation is this? He's a current player saying another team should trade for him. On Woj's pod, yeah. He, like, made a pitch. What is this? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I didn't think that that was allowed, but maybe because it's a player, it's not, like, something. I don't know. And if you're like, by the way, how do you walk back into the Pacers building the next day? What's up, guys? Uh, uh, like, oh, hey, Miles, heard you on the pod with Woj. Great interview, man. It was uh, awesome. Hey, you want to go to the Lakers, huh? Right. Uh, look, hope that works out for you. I guess you can kind of understand it from the Pacers' perspective because they're on it. Their timeline's a little different, uh, but at the same time, 
Either way, my original point going back to it, whatever package that's out there for the Lakers, make it happen. They're not beating the powers that be in the Western Conference. I just don't think that's realistic. VGK dropping the puck here in about five minutes, and we got Thursday night football on the way. We'll have more on the uh, Eagles especially and the Texans down here at Silver 7s, Flamingo and Paradise. Come on in, 77-cent beers during both the hockey and the football game.